Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Indirect. Guys, I am here with one of my best friends in the world, uh, Dr. Mary Gardner. I love her to pieces. We went to vet school at Florida together. Uh, you'll hear us talk about that a little bit. She has a passion project that she is working on. It's around laryngeal paralysis and gulp in senior pets. Some of you might remember Mary Gardner. She is the founder of Lap of Love Pet Hospice. She is a she is a hospice care veterinarian. She is a amazing lecturer. If you ever get a chance to see her speak, you should. You're going to look and you're going to be like, man, she's doing three hours on end of life care. That sounds really down. It won't be. It will be riveting and you will learn an absolute ton from someone who is super easy to relate to, someone who will make you laugh and smile and feel good about the work that we do. That, that's Mary Gardner. So anyway, she is amazing. I am thrilled to be talking to her about this project that she's fired up about that honestly when I first heard about it I was like why are we talking about that boy she makes a good case this is going to be great let's get into it this is your show we're glad you're here we want to help you in your veterinary career welcome to the cone of shame with Dr. Andy Rourke Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Mary Gardner. Thanks for being back. Hi, Andy. I know. I think this is like our third or something like that. It's definitely up there. Like you're definitely up there at the top of the people that I've had on the podcast again and again. It's just because I love you to pieces. And I know. We've we've known each other forever, and every time I talk to you, I get I get excited about uh, about what you're doing and kind of what you're excited about, and we just kind of feed off of that. And so. This was no exception. So you and I were together in Orlando in January, and I had looked at the program, and there was Mary Gardner is doing a LARPAR surgery lab, and I'm like, either that's a typo, or Mary Gardner is blossoming late in her career in ways that I did not anticipate. And I talked to you, and you were like, I am doing the laryngeal paralysis workshop. And when I talked to you later, I was like, how was it? And you were like, I want six hours instead of four. And I was like, I like, we have to talk about this. Like, this is not, this is not, it would be like if I came to you and I was like, I'm into Turkish baking and I love it. And I'm like, I just, what? it, it talked to me about uh, laryngeal paralysis and your love affair with this kind of odd medical condition. It is. I know. And I, I, I always say, like, I love it. But it's it's weird to say that you love a disease, right? I hate it. I wish it wasn't a disease. But yeah. you I love it. It's like it's just something that came into my into my life personally and also professionally. So my Doberman, you know, Duncan, <laughs> he's, he's always the topic of many conversations. But he when he was about nine or ten, more and more like Ted, he started to clear his throat. So he just was doing it. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm like, oh my God, that's my Doberman coughing. I yeah. instantly went to DCM heart disease, you know, and. Yes. So <laughs> dark, the dark place we go. Oh my God. Right. He could have just had a little acid reflux. No, no. I went <laughs> nope. straight. Heart disease. To, <laughs> stage 20 heart disease. I already went there. <laughs> so, so I. I bring him to the cardiologist. Like, I don't even touch my stethoscope. I'm like, you're going to the cardiologist, buddy, right? It's, it's and they're like, no. It's when we turn into, it's when we turn into needy pet owners. We're like, oh my God, someone, totally. someone listen to this chest. Exactly. Cause I can't. And so I brought him like, no, he's actually totally fine. And I'm like, he's doing this weird clear in his throat and it's not a reverse sneeze. It's, you know, and so turns out that then he was diagnosed with laryngeal paralysis. 
Okay. And this is probably, gosh, I, I, I should look at the exact dates, but it's probably around 2014, 2015 or something like that, right? And yeah, probably around that. And so it was, it was then a decision. Do I wait for him to get worse and worse and then end up in a, an emergency situation, which is what yeah. we see so much? Mm-hmm. Or do I consider, or do I consider euthanasia before he gets that bad? And then, or do I consider doing the surgical option, which is the tie back? And for me, it, he wasn't so bad. Like his breathing wasn't horrific. It, it started over the next few months. So I can then see his breathing when he was sleeping. It was, you know, a little snoring, but it was like, <sighs> and I'm like, okay. nope, that's, he's not going to live like that. Right. So yeah. no doubt in my mind, I was going for the tie back. So this, and, is, this is a 10 year old Doberman, right? 10-year-old Doberman. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so this, let's just be honest. very good point. This is, a, this is an old, this is an old big this dog. This is an old man. For a big dog, this is an old yes. man. All right. I just wanted to, yes. to flush that out. Totally. And he, I actually use this story in one of my lectures. And so I'm sort of doing parallel conversations here with you. So actually, years later, I was, I was telling the same story to a group of veterinarians. And it was in Texas. And I didn't say it was my dog. I just said it was a 10-year-old Doberman. Who here would even discuss tieback surgery? And only two people in a room of 80 raised their hands. So I'm like, no, 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 let me repeat that. Like, who here would just just talk, like, give it as the option? And again, only two people. And I said, why not? And they said, he's an old dog and the risk of aspiration pneumonia is too high. And, and it just boggled my mind at that time that nobody would even consider it. And it was something that I had done. And then, of course, the reveal was it was my dog that I'm having this conversation about. So back to 2014, I absolutely did the tie back and during post-surgery he actually did have aspiration pneumonia because he vomited from like morphine or whatever they had given him so this is again 2014 and so that that is a risk but he survived it and he was fine and he did great like he was fine years you know a year or two later i started to see then this neuropathy happen in the in his back end and i was doing you know i was researching all this and that's when i learned more about gulp than just LARPAR. And so he's the thing that started my, he, him having it is the reason why I love it so much because it was such a big a part of my life and treatment with him. He ended up dying of DCM years later. Oh. So he, so he did get, but that's why he how passed. How'd you feel about that? Are you like, it's a heartbreak or are you like, I called it, I called it really uh, early. I was not so long ago. when I had long no. ago and this was going to happen. I know. It's, you know, it's one of the things you, you love a certain breed and you know what it yeah. comes with, right? Yeah, like, I know. so I know, but he was 13. So I got like almost three years after a tie back with him where yeah. so many people would have, would it would have been a few months and then I would have had to euthanize him. So well, that's I, how it started. Well, I, you know, I, I love that you tell this story and, and you and I have talked about this before with your work of, with uh, Lap of Love, Pet Hospice yeah. and things. And, and you, you and I are both, we're both uh, on the advisory board for the Gray Muzzle Organization. Uh, it's, 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 this is a, a group that we both care about. And, and it's, yes. I'm, I'm glad that we get to do this stuff together. I saw this case and it was a um, dog had a splenic mass and he's my neighbor's dog. His name is Copper. Oh. And he's like, like a 10, 10 and a half year old sort of coon hound dog not a small dog and so i had that that talk with him you know what i mean when you're like well you know it's probably two-thirds chance it's it's going to be malignant and one-third it's it's benign and you know this is kind of how it goes and you know kind of what do you want to do and i guess i was kind of trying to cushion the blow you know if they were going to say well you don't do it and they were like no he's been a great dog 
we're we're gonna do this thing and sure enough it's benign they take it out that dog is stealing food from me at cookouts (laughs) like he sees me he's like that guy's a sucker you know what i mean and like he's telling but like boy i mean you start thinking about you're like a couple of years you know sometimes i I wrote an article about it and i called it sometimes it's worth the risk yeah oh that's a great go with it and it's just sometimes it's just worth it and um it's worth it i think it's easy to like write that off and like I think we we kind of guard ourselves by being a little dark or cynical, but man, sometimes it's totally worth it. Okay. So so you go through this experience. Now, uh, hold on. On that I'm sorry to like at what point is it not worth it, right? Like is there is it 6 months? Is it a year? Is it If you think about chemo, how many times do we do chemo and it's yeah. just to get a few months or yeah. you amputate a dog with osteosarcoma? Like that's that's to relieve the pain, but you're not taking away his cancer and so yeah. is that worth it, right? And and the one thing I just say while I'm just honest is no judgment because there's not one right answer. No. So it's okay not to, but, but what I don't want to do is, you know, everyone says old age is not a disease, but old age is not an excuse. And so like, it, it doesn't mean just because he was 10 that we shouldn't do it because if he had six great months of breathing okay, but then got hit by a car or something like that, I'd still be happy I did it. Yeah. So. I love that. I just, I think that's an important point. I'm just glad. I was just glad to see that. I, I love that you had a sort of happy outcome of saying he's it's 10. A- well, I mean, that's why I sort of set up as a 10 year old Doberman. And then you go, Correct. oh, well, we're going to do this thing. It's not a small undertaking. And then three more years. And, 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 you know, it's that quality of life, quantity of life thing, too, mm-hmm. where it's not that he stayed alive for three years. It's that he could he was sleep. Good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. he could sleep and breathe, and like that's yeah. that's that's a significant difference. So anyway, so so I love that. So you go have okay. this experience. Yes. Right. So so I'm looking at this. You know, I know your interest in quality of life. I know your interest in seeing your pets. So you go through this experience yourself, and then talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about sort of the the realization you sort of had, or, or sort of your experience around this, where you started to feel like this is something that needs more more light yeah. on it because that's kind of what I got from you at, at VMX when you were talking about yeah. doing this workshop and things. So, so help help me get my head around like the needs you saw in the larger profession or what that kind of looks like. Yeah, well, I think because with Lapa Love and, and I go euthanize so many animals in their home, so many are because of because of mobility issues and so many are middle middle sized dogs. So 60, 70, 80 pound dogs. Like that's that's our, that's our, bread and butter, let's say, right? It's mobility mm-hmm. issues, me, you know, large, medium, large dogs. And so many I go to, and now they're not in the emergency situation, right? Which what is what GP normally sees is that the dog is under emergency. But here's a dog that has bilateral muscle, muscle atrophy. They've got weakness. It's clearly neurological on the back end. They're saying, yeah, he's, he's kind of snoring more. He's having some breathing, you know, struggling and his bark has changed. And I'm like, this is freaking lark par. Like, and and I was just seeing it so much, but nobody ever talked to them about it. Yeah. And 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 then again, at the same time, I had this this you know lecture in in Texas where everybody's like, "It's too old of a dog. We wouldn't do it." And it it was just like, "But we can help so many, and the families want to do it." So oh, yeah. I it was probably in 2020, maybe I I did a Facebook live with this surgeon, Dr. Brian Stanley, who is is the like the godmother of gulp and we did it for like an it was an hour-long conversation i just i asked her everything meds and and thousands of people have watched it hundreds of people reach out to me and these are pet owners and they send me videos of their dog and they're like my vet doesn't know what it is or my you know they they say don't do the risk but i think i want to do the surgery and 
you know, it's, I of course always walk a very fine line to never throw any vet under the bus, but I always Mm -hmm. say, go, just go to a surgeon and get, you know, here's the statistics because now I know the statistics really well. And so it's just now my passion project to educate everybody in the veterinary field about it. And, and I love it. So, you know, when we went to vet school, it was called idiopathic laryngeal paralysis. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that actually there was a connection to the polyneuropathy. And this is where I think if a pet does even go for the Tyvek surgery, they need care with their veterinarian and rehab and stuff like that, because it's more than just a Tyvek. It's yeah. a whole like, you know, big thing. And that's where go. So that's geriatric onset poly laryngeal paralysis and polyneuropathy is king has come in. And that's so Dr. Stanley is the one who found that connection. Let's go ahead and start to talk about, let's start to talk about Gulp a little bit here. Because when we yeah. started talking about the tieback and managing these cases, you know, you you do not fancy yourself a surgeon unless things have radically changed no. No. in our, I've in not our relationship. No. I was going to say, I was like, wow, it just, you do a lot of things. You do a lot of interesting things. Surgery was not one of them no. that I no. had on, on my bingo card for you, but... Given that you're very interested in this in this topic, uh, like so, so talk to me about the interface here. So, so without making this into a surgery podcast, oh god, no, which it won't be. <laughs> yeah, which is why the blind leading the blind in in that regard. Hey guys, I just want to talk to you real quick about the Uncharted Roadshow in Atlanta. I am going to be there with Stephanie Goss and Maria Parita and Tyler Grogan, and we are going to be doing the Uncharted Leadership Essential Certificate. That is, uh, it is two days, it is 14 hours of race CE. You heard that right. It is packed in there. It is workshop style CE. We will be doing understanding the trust economy. We'll be doing strategic planning, vision and values. We'll be doing communication styles, feedback and coaching, achieving team buy-in, setting priorities, getting priorities done. That means holding people accountable and setting timelines and deadlines. We're going to be doing all of that stuff. You are going to be uh, drinking from the fire hose and it is all about you actually getting the skills. I said it is very, 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 very hands-on. You are not going to be sitting and get lectured at. You are going to learn. You are going to be a different and better leader when you leave than when you arrived. That is a Sunday and a Monday in May, as I said, the 5th and 6th in Atlanta. Grab yourself a spot. They are going to sell out. Um, I would love to see you there. All right, let's get back into this episode. So talk to me a bit about, about Gulp. Talk to me about, about surgery as a yeah. tool. And if surgery is a tool, Mary, what are the sort of the other tools in the toolbox? What does this overall management of this condition look like in your mind when it's done exceptionally well? Oh God, this is the most amazing question. Okay, so... Well, thank you. I, you know, so, it's, I work hard. I take notes ahead of time. Like, I prep. I love it. Things. Prepping. <laughs> so, watching, well, you know, let's step back. You, you, I think about Duncan and his clearing of his throat, right? Everybody assumes that's like a tickle in his larynx or something like that. That was actually because he was having, this, you know, regurge. So, so you know, like almost like acid reflux. Yeah. Because that comes oftentimes in parallel with... with with gulp with the laryngeal paralysis so basically and this is definitely not surgery definitely not an anatomy you know, uh, class here but the, the uh, a laryngeal nerve actually is what is what the problem is with the larynx but it's also all kind of connected to the esophagus and so they will have esophageal mobility issues and that's why they'll have little acid reflux some of them so much that they that they vomit often or regurge often 
And so it's not just from the surgery or the tie back that they could have aspiration. It's because of their of their vomiting. Like that's why, because they may vomit or have that regurge or they eat too fast and they have a tie back or drink too fast. But but it's a it's a risk factor even for dogs that don't have a tie back. And I don't think people understand that, that we have to actually help them with their regurge also because it's gonna it's gonna happen. And then what what also happens is that they will get a polyneuropathy a neuropathy. So their back end is gonna start to toe drag, get weak, all those things. So historically, when we at GP get a, a LARPAR case in, it's on emergency, right? So we are just hoping that they can breathe. We're not doing a full neurological exam. And half these dogs are like, you know, basically unconscious anyway. We give them some ACE. So you're not doing a good neurological exam. So we never actually knew that the polyneuropathy was 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 there. And but many already started to have a little, you know, CP deficits and things like that. So Dr. Bryden was actually doing research on the uh, esophageal problem with, with LARPAR. So that's what she was studying. And when she had all these dogs coming in that were in her case, she was doing a full neurological exam. And she's like, wow, all these dogs also have polyneuro- you know, this neuropathy in the back end. So it was because she was able to do a really good full exam is how she made this connection to it all. So really, the optimal thing, if you've got a breathing disorder, is to do the tie back. And... A problem is that there's not, it, it's a, it could be expensive for a family. There may not be a surgeon locally. There may not be a surgeon eight hours from them, right? And so that's, that's also an issue. It also may be an emergent situation where it could be something that we need to do in a day or two and not wait for five weeks to get to see the surgeon that, you know, the boarded surgeon. So then, so, so all these things are, are happening, of course. So regardless of surgical intervention, you will, you need to manage the esophageal problem and you also need to manage that, that polyneuropathy. And it's no NSAIDs. It's nothing like that. It's, it is. You know, physical therapy is the biggest help and then environmental management and harnesses and stuff like that. So that like in, in a, in a high level up nutshell is, is gold. And with the surgery, so many people are, are nervous about recommending it because of the risk. However, yeah. the risk that here's the big thing is that anesthesia for the surgery is very important. Technically, this isn't a, this isn't a difficult surgery on the pet. Right. You're mm-hmm. not going into the a spay is worse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're go, it's a soft tissue. It's a tiny little incision. It's soft tissue. It's in the neck. It's two stitches. Close it, you know, for the tie back. Then you've got some skin, you know, whatever sutures an ice pack. It doesn't need morphine. It doesn't need all these things that this is why there was so much aspiration after surgeries, because we were over anesthetizing them. So that's why for this workshop, I did it BMX. We had Sheila Robertson, our good you know, mm-hmm. friend talk about anesthesia and and it's only about eight percent of a risk factor for aspiration pneumonia and i always say it's a hundred percent risk for asphyxiation so i would much rather take an eight percent risk than a hundred percent risk yeah but and they might be a it might be a 14 year old lab do you do it guess what if you get six more months like it doesn't it doesn't matter if they don't want to do it or they want to do it but right. i don't think we should make that decision for our families yes. and I've done studies, I've done surveys of over 800 families and about half and half did, did the tie back and didn't. And it's about 50% did not get the advice of their, from their veterinarian about the tie back. They found it on their own. And we, we absolutely should give the option for those families. But anyway, so that's where I get so kind of worked up on it is because there are people that are not getting this information and they would do the tie back. Or then they need to learn about physical therapy and, and 
and knowing how how to how should your dog eat? You know, should it be a raised yeah. bowl or not? All these things. Talk, talk to me a little bit. I know we don't have a ton of ton of time. I know. Sorry, but if. I, but if- but if, no, I love it. <laughs> if if I was talking to a pet owner, I was like, "Hey, you know, this is this is an option. This is what I'm seeing. This is kind of how it progresses." You know, there is surgical intervention. We sort of gracefully talk about that and kind of, you know, what does that look like for you? Is that something we want to explore a little bit? And they said, "Well, okay. So, what is what is our life like after the surgery?" Talk, talk Great to question. me a little bit about in sort of those terms, sort of at that high level. Frame yeah. up for me what the commitment for physical therapy and the environmental management would look like. How much do you share with the pet owners kind of in the moment of, of what that looks like? Yeah. You know, it's funny is is I think we recommend amputation of an osteosarc way more than we recommend a tie back, right? Yeah, and, I think it's probably true. Right? Yet you manage a Rottweiler, a hundred pound Rottweiler that's just had his leg amputated. That's difficult. Like that's a lot of care at home where this is not so much. So there's, uh, should we change the, the feeding and, and, and water uh, habits? Yes, we need to slow them down. So there's slow, slow waters, water bowls. Should they feed raised bowls? Actually not a raised bowl. They should be on an incline. So that way they're, they're slow. That's how they should be fed uh, because it's gravity, right? Like all yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not just a raised bowl. That doesn't do anything. We need to get them on an incline. And then, you know, talk to the owner that, that probably, the vast majority of pets will have a neuropathy, a start of a neuropathy, at least within a year from diagnosis. Duncan took a little longer because I think I noticed him sooner. I was like, yeah. well, that's a cough, right? Owners don't think yeah. we, we, I went a little crazy. So within a year, you're going to have a 60, 70 pound dog that may have trouble walking. And that means yoga mats around your house. Here's the help them up harness. Here's some physical therapy exercises. And it's probably about 18 to two years out that they live. But it's it's because we're already starting at 12. The average pet is getting it done at 12. So you're talking about labs that are probably going to die towards 14. Regardless, there's yeah. a million other things that they might be getting also. So I don't think, but the neuropathy does become a big issue. And I think it's very important to talk to owners, whether or not they do the tie back that, because they may have a dog that has some respiratory issues, but it's okay. They're managing it well. They're in air conditioning. They're in a cold area. They don't, you know, exert themselves. They're couch potato and you know they're it's not that bad but they're going to get the neuropathy also and that's where it starts to be a caregiver burden and it it was for i wouldn't say a burden i would do it all day long for duncan sure and i just i can't tell you any how many hundreds of people have emailed me about this it's crazy oh i'm sure i i think that i I, i'm trying to think back to where my sort of ideas around this procedure come from i feel like and you you were there we were yeah. there together in the same class but i feel like the whole aspiration pneumonia was beaten pretty soundly into me it i don't was. know if it was i think it, i think it was one of those things where like if i saw a test question that had laryngeal tieback the question was going to be or the answer was going to be aspiration pneumonia you know right. what i mean like it was yes. it was that it was and, and it was 30 so. percent risk then but that's because of like the anesthesia that they're doing back then, right? So, so we could do it so much better, so much more simple. We don't need massive pain. We, they don't need to be a morphine. It's yeah, it, it's not that bad, right? So it's better to have them alert and not, you know, all drugged up. So I think yeah. you're right. That was 100% when me and you were, were in that. That's what we were taught. 
Well, I was trying to remember why I had that thought because I'll be honest, like it's just not it's not a procedure that's really kind of been on my radar. I haven't looked at a dog that's struggling and been like, well, I'm not going to say anything. But I'm like, why isn't this? Why didn't this come to my hand faster? As I, I think that when we were going through it, the risk really was taught as being quite high. And I was like, boy, this is kind of a last resort is how I had it filed in my mind. I think you, I, I'm glad you're talking about this. I know you and I had talked earlier and you said that you, you're going, you're going pretty, pretty hard on this. You're putting together, talk, talk to me about the website that you're sort of putting oh, yeah. together. You sort of mentioned that you were sort of putting together resources and you wanted to make this really accessible. What's your plan with that? It is just my passion plan. So I've got, it's been totally self-funded. It's called all all about gulp. So all about G-O-L-P-P.com. And it's for both the pet parents and the and the veterinarians out there. So I wanted it to be like a one-stop shop of education for the pet owners. So what is it? What are risk factors? You know, medications, because there's doxapin discussion, like should we use that? And 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 no, don't waste your time on that. You know, things, things like that. I've also got a veterinary section. So it's got how to diagnose, what are the signs? surgical, non-surgical options. And then there's a whole set of resources. So there's handouts for veterinarians. We've got history handout. We've got a oral exam handout for them. We've got client education handouts, all free on the website. And then the biggest thing is just these rehab videos that I made with Dr. Uh, Carolina Medina, if you remember her from UF mm -hmm. and the acupuncture service. And so we made about 11 different rehab videos for just exercises at home that aren't a big struggle for 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 dog. it's not like go run agility this is you know the cookie stretch and the incline stand and you know stuff like that so it's got all the resources and lists of the boarded veterinarians out there the list of the rehab facilities and yeah so it's just my goal is that it's the one-stop shop for people to get educated on both both pets and vets both, both pet owners and vets you know it's funny i as i've come along in my life i have come to really appreciate stories and examples that illustrate mm -hmm. who people are and so i always think it's mm -hmm. this beautiful thing if you can reach into your pocket and kind of pull out a story or an example about someone who sort of encapsulates who they are and one of my favorite stories about you is this one where it's like you're the person who gets excited about something that they care about and you don't you don't post it on Facebook like you're like nope we're and you make you launch an empire and crusade and you're building there's going to be a gulp app that you're going to like that you're going right, to have yes. I mean yeah I would love that Yes. I see you. I see you running across a professional sporting event with like a, a banner behind you before security tackles you that says "Ask your vet about gulp." I mean, it's just you. I like you, that you get these passion projects and you I do. go with them, and you do such great stuff. And I don't think you get enough credit for all the work that you do for uh, the But anyway, I I love you, you, buddy. I'm so glad I love you, you do this, too. and I really appreciate you coming and sharing with us. So cool. Um, Mary Garner, besides the website oh, God, and yes. all the resources, where can people find you online oh, if they want to follow your if they want to follow your adventures, where yes. can they find you? So my my personal adventures are at Dr. Mary Gardner. So Dr. Mary Gardner. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and I, you know, my shenanigans are out there. And I will post about this in a, in a couple of weeks when I'm you know, ready to, but it's, it's been fun. So you can follow me there. Very nice. Cool. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. And that's what I got guys. That's, that's my, that's my talk with Mary Gardner. Thank you to her for being here. Thank you to you for also being here. Thank you to me for I'm, I'm here 
as well. Like we all need praise sometimes. Like we all want to feel appreciated. And so I'm appreciating myself. <laughs> anyway, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, send it to your friends. If you're like, I don't have any friends to send it to, but I want, but I really liked it. You can just go and leave me an honest review wherever you get your podcast. That That's super helpful as well. Anyway, that's enough. That's enough of this. Let me let you go so you can get out there and do good in the world. All right, I'll see you guys soon. Bye.